and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we discuss all of Blizzard's various games. Uh, I'm Matt Rossi, I'm your host, and with me this week are two just utterly fantastic co-hosts. I had to say that with a lot of emphasis. First up, because she's with us again this week, filling in for Alex, it's Liz. Hey Liz, uh, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been doing Tanan dailies, which I hate so very much, but I've kind of run out of other things to do in Rao. So I'm doing Tanan dailies, and I'm trying to be excited about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Liz Harper, Tanan enthusiast. Uh, <laughs> uh, also with us this week, as she is every week, uh, Anne Stickney. Anne, uh, what have you been up to besides trying to read every every book imaginable? Well, um, we did our Christmas thing this weekend. Yeah, with my family. So I ha- I was dealing with relatives all weekend, which was great. Um, I discovered that okay, um, apparently my dad really likes the rum balls that I make, <laughs> and I didn't realize I actually had to confiscate them <laughs> and hide them because he was grazing <laughs> on them all day. And see, my dad is like he doesn't sweet stuff doesn't quite taste right to him he doesn't like sweet stuff very often so he wasn't really getting into the fudge and the cookies and the other stuff that everybody else brought and so we're sitting there uh, friday night eating sweets and i believe we were playing zombie dice or something i don't know anyway so my dad comes over and he picks up one of the rum balls and he goes i really like these i said you do and he goes yeah he said i don't really like the chocolate coating on the outside but the stuff in the middle is really good and i'm like that's because it's about 75 percent Kahlua, dad <laughs> you should probably slow down <laughs> and he was like yeah but it's real good i'm like okay well good i'm glad you like it and then the next day like half of the tray went missing because he kept like once an hour he'd come upstairs and like sneak one <laughs> when he thought nobody was looking and take it. <laughs> My dad doesn't drink. He's not a drinker or anything, but apparently he really likes those Kahlua things. So thank you. Okay. Yep. Uh, I didn't do anything this weekend. So, well, I fell down, but, uh, okay. So as is usual for the show, uh, we usually talk about blizzard news at this point. Um, the only really big thing, you know, they're coming back from, from their vacation, so there's not going to be a ton going on. The Alpha's not back up yet, and I don't know when it will. Uh, so, didn't, we have, didn't we have a news thing about that this evening? That's going to be a going couple. up tomorrow. Tomorrow, awesome. <laughs> Oh, okay, never mind. But we actually, we did learn something kind of significant tonight, that apparently now you can purchase the Legendary Ring upgrades, the Crystallized Fell. You can purchase those with Valor Points now. That's um, good. Provided you have reached the appropriate part of, like, you've upgraded your ring as far as you can go. Because the Crystallized Fell, I think it drops off of Archimonde or something, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, okay. So now you can also purchase it from the vendor, from the Order of the Awakened vendor, for, like, uh, I think it's 1250? 1250. I think it's 1250 Valor points. Um, So if you're looking to upgrade your ring, you've got a slightly easier way to do it now. Well, that's that's a lot of valor points, but yes, it's a lot of valor points, yeah. But it also means that you know, yeah. Once you've upgraded everything else and you don't have anything else to spend the points on, you might as well. Yeah, pretty much. All right. And uh, the other thing we were going to mention because it was something kind of interesting was that Blizzard had sued uh, Lilith Games, who, if you don't know, are the makers of the Dota Legend game. And apparently that case has been dismissed because it was a copyright law. And copyright lawsuits are notoriously hard to get through. It's real hard to prove unless it's something as simple as somebody publishes a comic book named Duperman involving a dude in a, a very familiar costume. It, it's pretty hard to like actually prove that a character isn't, you know, 
just kind of inspired by the same stuff, especially when it's a, it's a game like WoW where the characters are, you know, elves and trolls and so forth. Yeah. But if you've actually seen Dota Legends or looked at the art for it. Soul Clash is the other game yeah. that uses. Soul Clash. Yeah, it has, it has multiple names depending on which region it's in. The artwork is pretty blatant, though. And the thing <laughs> is, is like the reason that it was dismissed was because the lawsuit didn't specify the characters. It just said that dozens yeah. of characters were copied without specifying which ones. And that's because nearly every copy, every character in that game is a direct rip of World of Warcraft. It would take yeah. probably several months to actually catalog the entire mm. list if you go look up if you look up soul clash and you look at some of the screenshots i mean you see arthas you see thrall you see grom you see taronda you see maya you see um alex Strauss is in there uh th there's just there's a lot there's a lot of characters that are just straight out ripped yeah i just you know it's one of the situations where if blizzard decides to keep going with this they'll have to actually sit down and catalog each and every one of the characters and exactly how they're a ripoff. It's just yeah, a, and, it's a necessity of how copyright law works. And and also why this character is copyrightable in the first place, because apparently yeah. it's difficult to copyright characters in the first place. So, yeah. uh, I as I recall, the court did say that Blizzard could resubmit the lawsuit. If they uh, put yeah. in the appropriate if they, definition. Yes, if they, if they you know. go through and they add all the detail, they can resubmit the lawsuit and it might move forward. But yes, for now, it's kind of dead in the water. Yep. So at this point, we move on to emails. And as is always the case, if you have an email you want us to look at, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. We like to get emails and talk about various um, Blizzard games, not just World of Warcraft, um, not just lore, and not just game mechanics, pretty much anything. Um, as is the case in the past, I mean, we'll tell you right up front that people who are a part of our Patreon, who are our supporters on Patreon, get first crack because, you know, that's one of the benefits you get for supporting us, which, you know, leads to this email, which is actually from a patron. So anyway, a bit of topic question, I suppose, in terms of WoW, but I wanted to ask about writing. You guys, particularly Ann and Matt, are some of my favorite journalists ever. Well, well thank you. Uh, I really enjoy everything you write, especially the stuff about lore. So my question as an aspiring journalist is very broad. What writing tips do you have that you find are crucial to your work? And what, if anything, would you recommend to someone interested in getting into journalism? Uh, Quessa Miravel. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. I'm sorry if I didn't. Mira Evel? I, I know. Balance Druid, Moon Guard, US. Uh, I'm going to actually ask Liz first because Liz has been an editor both on the previous <laughs> site and this one for a very long time, dealing with a lot of our problems. So, <laughs> what would you tell him? Um, I mean, really, the if you want to be a writer, if you want to be a journalist, then write. I mean, that's the big thing. Uh, I personally kind of think the best way to get experience here is by doing. And I mean, you can, you know, you can go to journalism school, you can read books about writing and how you should do this. You can read books about grammar and that stuff's important uh, to kind of learn the hows and the whys and the ins and the outs of things like that. But you learn a lot by diving in there and just getting stuff done. And I can certainly say if you're look, if you were applying to a site like ours or any of the sites I've run in the past, what's what one of the big things we look at is what you've done. And not, I mean, sometimes people will have professional portfolios and they've had journalism jobs, but especially at, um, well, we haven't done a lot of hiring here except for people we've worked with in the past, but at the site that shall not be named, uh, you know, a lot of the times we would get like professional journalists who might apply and we would not end up hiring them. We would end up hiring someone who was 
maybe not a professional, but they had a lot of passion for the game and a lot of knowledge and they loved to write about it. You can tell in their writing samples that they were really into it and they were very knowledgeable and it's kind of that passion can take you a long way. So if you want to write, write, do it. You can do it. Okay. Uh, now we'll move on to Anne. Anne, you'd suggest? I don't know. I just kind of stumbled <laughs> into it. No. Um, <laughs> what Liz said, right? Yeah. You want to write. You want to write every day. It doesn't matter what you write. Write something. Something every day. Something that you're passionate about. Something that you're really excited about. Something that you enjoy writing about. More importantly, well, maybe not more importantly because you need the skills, but read. Read a lot. News. Read news. Read books. Read magazines. Read Read everything you can get your hands on. Absorb it. Become knowledgeable about the things that you want to write about. That kind of thing. Um, you don't want to like apply for, oh, I don't know, a job like writing for a site like ours and not know anything about World of Warcraft or Hearthstone or any of the games that we write about. That just won't work. You kind of have to have a basic knowledge of anything. <laughs> If you want to write about it so um i don't know i guess that's that's all i have to say about that is just it's one of those things where if you love it you do it every day <laughs> yeah I'm, i'll just add my one my perspective here is one of the things that you really need to learn to do is not just to write every day but if you have deadlines make them yeah. Learning how to make a deadline. And I'm not saying I'm perfect about this. I screw up deadlines all the time. Ask people last week when I didn't turn in the queue on time because I <laughs> forgot I was supposed to write it. Uh -huh. uh, these uh when you have a deadline, it's the most important thing. It, it's one of those things that, you know, really separates people who are just passionate hobbyists and people who are professionals is is getting the work done, uh, getting it ready on time so your editors can look at it so it can get put up. Uh, it's it's one of the it's the skill that there's no one to teach it to you. There's no way for you to, to to learn it except by doing it. You you get the work done, and it's it's one of those things that you, when you pick it up, when you learn it, it's a valuable thing to have. It's a valuable thing to be able to look and say. Uh, one of the things I was proudest of at the site that will not be named is that from the beginning of the column till the end of the site, I wrote the warrior column every week. I never missed it. Uh, so I already beat my cue. I can't, I can't say that <laughs> up with the cue, but I never missed it. And I was never filled in for, it. I made my deadline and I didn't, you know, sometimes it's very good to be passionate about what you're writing, but sometimes you won't have the passion because stuff in your life will be getting in the way, you know, you'll be sick or there'll be a problem. And it's being able to find a way to get your stuff done. It, it's real important. And I don't know why at this point that my iPad decided that I was talking <laughs> to somebody else. But that's what it just did. So I think that's pretty much it for me. I think everything else that both Liz and Anne said is valuable. So I'm going to stop here unless either of you have anything else you want to add. No, that's about okay. it. So next up will be the next email. This one is from Sticks of Baker Street Irregulars, which I got to say up front, that's a really good guild name. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't even watch the news Sherlock show, but I like that in your guild name. Uh, hello, watchers. Sticks of Baker Street Irregulars, uh, Senjin slash Quelderai here with a lore and a gameplay question. Lore. We're going to do these separately because there's more than one. Lore, what exactly is the Kala that the Protoss refer to? My impression is that it is their psychic link to each other through their hair tentacles and that the Dark Templar were made outcasts for rejecting it. But what makes it different from the Zerg hive mind? Do either of you uh, want to jump in on this one? Wow, well, I have no idea. <laughs> the Kala, the Kala, if I remember right, the Kala is like the name of the religion of it's, it the is Protoss? Both, 
it's the it's sort of a religious slash philosophical slash but it's also that psychic link like that psionic link between all Mm -hmm. of the protoss that follow that particular path and if i remember Mm -hmm. right the ones that the ones that split away they were the ones that said hi we don't want to be part of this link anymore and they just cut themselves off from it yes yeah they severed the tentacle yes yeah that's how the Dark Templars were were outcast. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that happens. Oh, I don't want to. But the the real difference between the Kala <laughs> and the Mass Mind that you mentioned. It's the, the Kala, mind, isn't it? The Kala. Yeah. I thought it was the, the diff- Kala. Uh, Is there a different not, pronunciation? <laughs> the point being that the, the the difference is really that the Zerfhag Mind is is compulsory, and many of the things in it are not sapient beings. Uh, there are there are Zerg who don't think. Period. The, the hive mind does all the thinking for them. You're you're part of the, the of the Protoss uh, Kala. I'm gonna say Kala because that's how I say it. And mm-hmm. you don't. You're not forcibly controlled by it. It's something. It's like I can feel all my people around me. I know what I know where they are. We're we're one. We can think together. But it's not compulsory. It's not controlling you. Whereas the Zerg hive mind, there's a reason that Kerrigan could control the entire swarm because that's what the hive mind does. Hive mind directs and controls them. It, it's it's the difference between being commanded by something and you know being part of it. It's it's a different it's different in that way. That and that pretty much answers that question. Yeah. Next one is gameplay. The presence of skill shots, abilities cast in a direction rather than aimed at a target or specific location in Heroes of the Storm seems to determine how complex a character is. With many of the most popular heroes, Illidan, Leoric, Raynor, using skill shots as the linchpin of their gameplay. That made me realize how few skill shots there are in WoW, which with monks having the majority of them, flying serpent kick, roll slash chi torpedo, chi orb, etc. I find this leads to a more dynamic and enjoyable form of gameplay than click a target, click a spell, the spell hits. Do skill shots have a place in a third-person MMO? Could the game be improved with more skill shots? What do you think? Uh, okay, again, ask you guys. Either you want to go? Demon hunters definitely have more of that type of targeting. I and your opinion of it, sorry? Um, does it belong in a third-person MMO? I don't know. I think it makes the class more challenging to play. Um, and the thing is, is like you kind of want to have different levels of difficulty I don't between classes. You know what I mean? Well, you, just, played, you played a Demon Hunter, right? I know you did. Yeah, I played a Demon Hunter. And, and I didn't think it was like too difficult to play, but there are some attacks and things that the Demon Hunter does that are, I, I guess they could probably be considered kind of a skill shot ability like i-beam i think i-beam could be considered kind of a skill shot ability um yeah because it goes straight ahead of you yeah yeah so you have to be like facing the right way and you need to be the right distance away you can't be too far away that kind of it doesn't have like infinite range or anything like that and you know, almost every class has something kind of along those lines but i don't yeah, think i think monks are probably the most complex probably yeah although it was weird playing the monk i don't know if that's that might be that feels more like that's that's a Windwalker monk because I was on a Brewmaster monk and I didn't get any of that. I yeah, was just hitting things with a keg. I think. Uh, well, you would have you would have had roll. Uh, Chai orb is a talent. Flying serpent. I hate flying serpent kick. I don't even have it on my button bars to be honest. Which maybe that makes me a bad monk, but it annoys me uh, because I like pointed in a direction. It's like oh now I turned it on now I turn. Oh I hate this. Yeah, I'm yeah, probably warriors, a bad monk. Yeah, warriors have thunderclap. Not Thunderclap, sorry, Shockwave, which mm-hmm. is now a talent. You don't have to take it. Shockwave does that, and then it goes in a direction, and you have to be pointing in that direction. But it's a cone. It's not a straight line. Yeah. 
so it's a little different. Yeah, I, I think chai orb is a cone too, a corn, a cone in front of you. Yeah. Um, something. I mean, heroes has tons and tons of skill shots, and I think that adds. It's a different kind of game. Uh, yeah. Just because, you know, like, okay, I'm a mage and I'm casting a firebolt at something. I'm going to click on my target and then I'm going to click my one key and it's going to cast. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's all you have to do. You don't have to be aware of where your character is standing. You don't have to be aware of where your target is standing. And uh, you don't have to be aware if anyone's moving, if you're moving or if they're moving. You don't have to think about any of that. You just click the thing you want to hit, you press a button on your keyboard, done. See, it's interesting because be, playing as melee in WoW means you already have to worry about these things. True. Yeah. And so maybe it feels like like having too many skill shots would be real detrimental to melee because you already have to worry about positioning as melee. Yeah. So it seems like it's the kind of thing that would work more if you wanted to add complexity to ranged gameplay, which is weird because monks are the ones who have the most of it and demon hunters the second most, and both are melee. Yeah. And, and so I mean, and I, well, I'm thinking about range specifically because in Heroes of the Storm, it's something that you get for ranged characters, yeah. get these skill shots that, you know, you can target people. Uh, and like, like uh, Asmodan's on rotation in Heroes this week. And whenever we have Asmodan in rotation, we link the Asmodunk video, which y'all may or may not be familiar with, but it's Asmodan using this particular skill that like hurls a fireball like way across the map. You target it and it's like zoom. And, uh, but you, it's a great way to catch, you know, heroes that are running away from you and things, but you've got to, you've got to be good. You've got to, you know, aim it. You've got to know which way they're going. You've got to predict their movements. You've got to know how fast the fireball thing travels. And you got to, there's skill there. I mean, there's a reason it's called a skill shot. Yeah, uh, I do. I do think that WoW definitely lacks in this department compared to, say, heroes. I don't know if it if it has, I mean, could a third per, third person MMO have them? Sure. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, if look it, at Wildstar. Yeah. I, I, think I think Wildstar had like a bunch of them, if I remember right. I think one of the reasons that I don't have a problem with uh, skill shots and heroes, but I don't like flying serpent kick and wow is uh, the perspective because in uh, heroes, you've got kind of a fixed perspective, you know, you've got that sort of third person isometric thing going on. It looks like, it looks like world of Warcraft. It looks like Warcraft three did essentially. Yeah. I mean, so you've got this fixed perspective and it's very easy to see where you are in relation to other things and because in WoW you can control the camera and move the camera around, it can be a little harder to get that sense of distance unless you have the camera positioned just right. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. If, I don't know. For me, honestly, I feel like people always talk about WoW's complexity or lack thereof, but I've yet to find an MMO that had more mm-hmm. complexity that I enjoyed. So I don't know that it's necessary to make WoW more complex. And then again, obviously... The past two expansions have them have been them making wild less complex. Well, so, I think I part of the difference too, Heroes of the Storm, it's a fixed camera perspective, isn't it? Right. That's exactly. True. Yeah, and World of Warcraft, you can move the camera pretty much anywhere you want to. You can zoom it in, zoom it out, swing it around. You can even play in first person if you really wanted to, and I think a first person skill shot would be really hard. I tried to do that once, play the game uh, in first person just for the heck of it. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work so good. No, <laughs> I, I can't even. I can't even play like Skyrim. Like no, I have to do it. I can Yeah, I, I have to see my character. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think my. I think our response here is a resounding. Like, it <laughs> I, doesn't sound I, like any of us are against it, but not, we're not terribly for it either. I like. I like skill shots in other games, but uh, I don't love them in WoW. 
I, and I bet it I bet it's just the camera thing because it's really easy to get the camera into a way where it's hard to aim or target a good skill shot. That makes sense. Okay. Next email is actually a bit of a blast of the past because, you know, it was mm-hmm. the holiday weekend and some people feel like writing emails. So, uh, hello, watchers. James Paladin Taggart from Malfurion, U.S. I recently returned to WoW after a hiatus since midway through Mists, and one of the first things I did was look you all up, which took some time with the name change. Thank you, Anne, for having an easy-to-find-slash-remember Twitter <laughs> handle. Oh, boy. The second, yeah, the second thing I did was jump on Patreon and, and start sponsoring you, your team, which I've just increased because I honestly love the quality content I'm seeing from you all, including but not limited to your coverage of BlizzCon. Thank you. Activision Blizzard bought mobile game maker King, and it got me thinking about a comment made in an earlier podcast about garrison campaigns feeling more like a mobile game than it. This got me thinking about allowing WoW to exist in a mobile world, obviously not its full content, but maybe a small mini-game like extensions of WoW with lots of optional content that could allow people to make it small progression towards their gameplay on a work break or while waiting for the Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on this and possibly thoughts on what type of things you think could fit into such a format like Dark Moon Fair, holidays, profession-based mini-games, etc. Personally, I'd love a mini-fishing hole or engineering <laughs> game where I can blow things up. P.S. I know you keep teasing about someday covering a non-WoW game in the Lore Watch podcast, and although I'm enjoying the WoW podcast, I'd love to hear one episode at least touch on the lore of Overwatch, especially now after the Overwatch story panel at BlizzCon. Thank you, James Paladin. Uh, Either of you guys want to go on this one first, too? Pet Battles. Oh, that is a good one. We need a Pet Battle mobile game. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, Pet Battle certainly does work. Uh, I can, they, there's definitely nothing. Um, quite frankly, Pet Battles are already very Pokemon-ish. Yeah. So having them as so a... why in, not? You yeah. <laughs> they, don't, uh, I, they don't take a super amount of, like, really complex anything. You could do it. You yeah, could, just, you could do, ahead. like, uh, a... What was that Fallout mobile game? The Fallout Shelter? Fallout Shelter? Yeah. Yeah. You could do like a garrison building game kind of like that. You could do a whole sort of management sim. Hmm. I was just going to say the garrison missions already feel enough like a mobile game that you could just easily oh, yeah. log you into directly, You could directly port that over probably. Yeah. That wouldn't be very hard. And and for that matter, the naval stuff, although I, I don't know if doing you any favors getting that game. <laughs> Make archaeology through that. Like, you know, do something might, with archaeology and the mobile stuff because that would make it so much more interesting than it currently is in game right now. That's so not a, saying very much. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of mobile games in the first place. Like I don't play any. Like I have devices that can play mobile games that I just don't really. And so for if I say something feels like a mobile game, that's not necessarily a compliment. <laughs> but that being said, I've when they put the uh, auction house app. When they made that, I always wondered why they didn't go further. Like, there's, there is some stuff. I mean, just besides pet battles and the garrison stuff, there's some stuff. I mean, I got, I mean, fishing. Why, why is fishing even still here? But <laughs> if it's gonna be here, yeah, make it a, make it a phone game so people can do it. And not That'd have to be cool. I do that like on a mobile. See, the whole, the, when I play mobile games, the whole reason that I play mobile games is because I'm waiting for something mm-hmm. or I'm just like passing time while I'm doing something else, you know? Yeah, I mean, like I'm waiting some, for the car oil change to finish or, you know, something I mean, that I'm not paying attention to. Sometimes you'll play a mobile game just because you don't want to sit down and with like World of Warcraft or Diablo and wind up playing for, you know, a couple of hours. You just want something kind of quick and maybe not super, super mentally investing and just something to play for a little bit. 
this is actually going to sound really strange. Do you guys remember a few years ago now, Blizzard was doing an April Fool's thing and they did Molten Core for the Atari 2600? Yes. <laughs> release that. Release that. Release yeah. The Molten Core, you know, for the Atari 2600, you know, release that for a phone. Or, or heck, do like a whole raiding mini game, like a whole, you know, take you go on your mobile phone raid thing, like where you go and fight like pixelated Ragnaros or something. <laughs> Not necessarily having, like, you know, make it be old raids and people can do their transmog farming on their phone. Make a transmog mini game. You, you, you know, know that old Lord of the Clans game that they never released? Yeah. <laughs> they should put that on mobile. <laughs> the thing is, I've played pieces of that. Yeah, I know. It, they should do they just, should do something like that for mobile and tablet. They should do adventure games like that. The point, my problem point is, like, is hearing Clancy Brown is Thrall. That's <laughs> it's a little weird. Strange. I'm like I'm. I'm wondering if anybody was nerd enough when they were making the Warcraft movie, and I, I kind of feel like 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 he like the director is like I, I feel like he was he's nerd enough to actually go and say, D -d can you do some lines from like the Lord of the Clans? <laughs> and Francis Brown just looked at him like, what are you talking? About? Or if he, considering he remembered Orcish well enough to say it at the game, there's a one for you. You want a mini game? You know, uh, odd Orcish quotes said by Clancy Brown. There you go. <laughs> Have Clancy Brown, you know, click on a button. Clancy Brown says, oh, gosh, friends. Very <laughs> frankly, I, I'm terrified of Clancy Brown saying that, but, you know, whatever. Uh, can, anything else? Like, do we want professions on their phones? I mean, that would be, would be cool. Archaeology would be cool. First aid. I mean, the, the problem with many professions is that it's just, you know, you open a panel and you click on something and then you click craft and then you, like, take a nap. First aid would be fun if they – do you guys remember, like, way back – I think Close they got the rid of it. The triage, yeah, the triage yeah. quest that you had to do for first aid. Oh name. God! Yeah, make that. Don't into remind a me. Game. No, Don't make it into a no. game. No, no, <laughs> I never want to do that again. No. <laughs> if anyone is listening to us who is taking this seriously, no. Do it just because it'll no. make Liz angry. <laughs> the thing with the, the triage quest was that the horde had to go to like some swamp. Didn't you have to go to like Duskwallow Marsh? Yeah. And meanwhile. The Alliance had to go to Theramore. No, we didn't have to go to Dustwall. We we went to no. um, the Arathi Highlands. Hammerfall, right? Yeah, yeah, you went to Hammerfall. You went into a building in Hammerfall, and there were a bunch of dudes on cots and stuff. Yeah, but the Alliance was like in Theramore, and it was a much tighter room, but that made it harder <laughs> because they bunched everybody together, and you couldn't figure out who was dying fast enough. The Horde one was just easier. I don't remember why, but it was. The problem with the Horde one wasn't wasn't even that it was hard. It was that the guy who was there was really like negative, if I remember correctly. I remember the Alliance one being easier just because everybody was closer together. So you could turn, like if you, you stood in a certain, yeah, if you stood in a certain spot in the middle of the room, you could reach everybody. So you just had to click the right dude. Yeah, I think I was better at running to get to the right guy than I was at finding the right guy. I, of course, I was stubborn. I wouldn't turn on over the overhead bars for the longest time. I hated them. I didn't like how they looked, so I wouldn't turn them on, even though like it made that quest much easier. I did that quest that so many times. That was the only place that I would do it for. Yeah. You had to, really, if you wanted yeah, to Yeah, you it. did. <laughs> uh, but I stumbled through without doing it. And for like, I remember, I remember when I was leveling my first serious Horde character that I realized, oh my god, I hate, I hate this quest so much. <laughs> the Alliance quest was just irritating, but the Horde one, oh my god, I hated it. Like, stop dying, you stupid orc! Stop dying! Like, I'm actually standing on his head trying to keep him alive. It's okay, well. Every class is asking in the chat channel if the uh, triage quest is still there. No, it's not. I believe they took no. it out when they, when Cataclysm hit. Yeah. They removed it. it. it 
They removed it because they took out Theramore, essentially. Well, Which... yeah, you can't exactly go to Theramore and click on Dude because there's they're kind of all over now. There is no triage. Yeah, <laughs> you can't do enough triage to help yeah. those guys. There's no fixing this, but no. uh, also I, I think I think if you go to like if you go to Hammerfall, the the buildings are still there, but I'm pretty sure they're not. The buildings the, the, are there, but yeah. they're empty. There's like yeah. nothing. They aren't doing questions. I don't so. think. See now, somebody else is saying yes, it is, but I don't think that it's there. I, I honestly, I don't think it's there anymore. Well, I haven't tried to do it in so long. So later on tonight, I'll log on and go see if those guys are there and if it's still possible to do. I don't okay. think it is, but okay. Next email is from Peleus. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've pronounced that correctly because he gave me a pronunciation guide. <laughs> Thank you, Peleus. Uh, greetings, Magnificent Three. Well, there are three of us, and we are magnificent, <laughs> so you're welcome. I have a question regarding artifact progression, particularly doing leveling. I plan on returning to Mythic Raiding and Legion, and I am a main spec Holy Paladin. I know I'll be getting most of my experience in Ret during the rush to 110, but how will that affect the Holy Artifact that I now that I will now need and will wait and will want to par want it to par when raiding starts? I have will an I just, answer for this. Okay, well, will I just need to do more work at Cap to catch my Holy Artifact up? Thanks for any answer you can give. And Liz. Okay, so. Uh, yeah. If you haven't read this already, uh, Raids did an article on the site today about Holy Paladin leveling in Legion. And the thing is that the devs have talked about making uh, healing specs, val- uh, viable specs for leveling. So you don't necessarily need to have a red off spec. You could have a red off spec if you like leveling in red. Uh, you can do a holy spec and you're kind of doing that battle cleric thing and you're hitting things with holy shock. And there's... You know, it's not going to be the greatest, but it's going to be, you know, you can play a shock at in right now. It's not an ideal leveling spec, but you can. And it's going to be, it's going to be better in Legion. I mean, it's going to be a viable way to level. So you can be spec holy. You can have your holy artifact. Your holy artifact will have things that, oh, I think he said lower the cooldown, your holy shock. Like you can do... You can do things like that using your artifact that will improve your ability to solo and quest. So you don't necessarily have to, you know, go off spec to level up unless you want to. This is that being sorry. I was going to say this is something that they are definitely thinking about right now and working on right now because they know that that's going to be a thing, particularly for raiders. So, yeah, especially, especially with the artifacts, because yeah. you're tied into this artifact, and there aren't going to be any other weapon drops. So what do you do? Yeah, the one thing we can't say, we can't, if you are determined to level as Rhett and then switch totally, we can't really tell you how that's going to work. because We, we don't know. Yet. But if you, if you level as holy, it should be viable to do so. And if you level as like a tank, it should be viable to do so. Tanking leveling already really is viable. It's just a question of you do less damage, but you take less damage. And that's, that's what they're aiming for in the future as well. But for healers, they really are focused on trying to make it viable for healers to level because they know that this is going to be a problem for people and they haven't really decided exactly how soon you'll be able to get your next artifact. So yeah, that's, that's definitely something that, they've talked about focusing on so for right now uh consider leveling holy if you really want to be ready to go right away out of the box as soon as you hit 110 shock it is yeah i know i was reading this article this afternoon and i'm like this sounds so awesome my palette my holy den is totally coming into the mothballs <laughs> I, I i couldn't level as holy oh. i could i could barely level my paladin as ret in fact quite frankly i didn't even like ret so maybe i could <laughs> 
maybe you should try holy. Maybe that's maybe that's your thing. See, I started a paladin and burning crusade, and I was a holy paladin. And back then, that was what you did. That was your spec. You spec'd your spec, and that was the spec you played because there weren't dual specs. So that was what I did. That was how I enjoyed doing it. I really loved that sort of paladin gameplay, and it it's gone. It's gone. It's totally gone. Do you remember back in vanilla when you couldn't respec at all? <laughs> like once you picked a talent point, it was there forever. <laughs> they they got rid of that fairly quickly. Yeah, it they was. Did. Yeah, it didn't take them too long to fix that. But oh man, yeah. I made some poor choices while leveling. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. I only I only remember it because I leveled his arms and. Then it was like I hit Scarlet Monastery, and I was people were like, "Okay, we need you to tank." And I was like, "Um, I don't even have a shield, so you're gonna just have to heal me, I guess. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll do what I can." So, Ouch! Yeah. All right, next email is from Alessander. Uh, Hi guys, read your discussion of making lots of gold in Legion by selling off all the stuff in a void storage. Nope, it costs 250 gold per piece to take something out. You're going to lose several thousand gold or we'll let it sit there until you need the space. Will we ever need void storage again? Maybe if we get more neat trinkets and toys that should be the toys. Uh, I gotta say, I, I don't know if this is the case in the, the alpha because I never thought to check. But on live, you can take stuff out of void storage for nothing. It costs nothing to take. Put it back in costs 25 gold. Yeah. But to remove it costs nothing. At, if they've changed that and, and as soon as the alpha's up, I'll go look. Um, that's really weird. And I don't know why they would have done that, but maybe to prevent people cashing in like this. But I mean, it's weird because you don't get 250 gold for selling almost any item. Yeah. Like here, you have void storage isn't gonna make you that much gold. If if they're seriously telling you you have to pay 250 gold per piece to take something out of void storage, then people will not take stuff out of void storage. They'll just not have void storage. I'm wondering if they're getting confused with um like taking one of your garrison followers out of retirement because to do that it costs a chunk of change yeah and you can only do it once a day and i think it's 250 gold to pull them back out but void storage though right now as of right now i went and checked this afternoon it's free i could have emptied my entire deposit not to remove so it will cost you nothing unless they change this to to withdraw the entirety of your void storage out and sell it that being said you're not going to make a ton of money ever by selling gear Selling gear is never going to be the, the big money. Uh, the only reason it makes any money in old raids is because you'll sell almost everything a boss drops because you're not going to use most of it. Like when, when cloth stuff drops, I, I all it is to me is vendor because, you know, I, I don't need it. I can't use it. It doesn't do anything for me. So there's a little money to be made, but certainly not not big money. Not at all. Um, so, yeah, it's, I just that that's one of those that I don't unless they've changed it drastically in the Legion Alpha. And I just didn't check because. I didn't have anything in void storage to remove. Transmog was kind of all borked up anyway on the alpha. Like that accessing certain parts of the UI would just kick you off. So I didn't mess with it at all. I didn't even try. Hopefully when they come back, they'll have more of that opened up and able to be tested and played with. Because I'd like to play with the wardrobe. I would love it if they made it possible to finally transfer uh, your main over. Yeah. Yeah. Because... I want to see what it's going to do to my bank. (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested in seeing it because right now it's hard to test the transmog when you don't have any gear. You know, you only really have the gear that you you start with. I messed around with a little bit. Like I I transmogged my paladin to warrior gear and stuff, but you couldn't really do a lot. And uh, 
really it was very hard to test for instance artifacts are they transmogable when you don't have any gear to transmog them to yeah pretty much they are i did manage to transmog the the war swords of elajar to the death knight starting two-hand sword but that's that was it that was the only thing i could test so yeah hopefully they'll have they'll have transfers up and we'll be able to like really play with it and give you an idea of exactly how it's going to work like right now um i'm trying to think if i'm remembering this properly Right now, it seems like they've basically made every class start with the armor level, the armor that they end up with. So the only the only leather classes are monks, druids, and uh, and rogues and de- demon hunters, because hunters never get leather. Now. Hunters start with uh, warriors, paladins start in so classes like those that started in one armor type and then moved to another around level forty, you start in it. You wear the the armor type that you're gonna wear. Forever, and that's it. Why do you think they did that? Honestly, I think they did it because people were worried about certain classes being better at transmog than others. No, 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 no. I mean, like, in the beginning, why do you think that oh. they did that? Where mm-hmm. it was like you start out with one armor type, and then you trans, like, at level 40, you start the yeah. next. Well, I think, why did they do that? I think they wanted plate and mail to be special. Yeah? I don't, because it's one of those things where plate, nobody had plate to level 40, period. Mm-hmm. Just nobody had it. It was something you didn't have, and so was it because plate got, was like too powerful, or people had that idea for a long time. People thought that plate was like this. In fact, talking back to the first question we asked today about how you you know how do you get started as a writer, the first thing I ever wrote and submitted to get a job at the place where we won't talk about <laughs> was a thing basically saying stop acting like plate is so awesome. <laughs> And it was this long rant about how plate armor is actually not that great. It's it, it's damage resistance doesn't work against anything but physical damage. Druids can beat it. it it's not this wonder. It's not this panacea. Stop saying, but you can wear plate because it's just not that big a deal. But they wanted it to feel like a huge deal. Like when you when you were a warrior and paladin and you graduated to plate, it felt like a big deal. Like yeah, I'm I'm up here now. And it, it was like psychological. It was much like getting a mount. Remember how you got your first mount at 40? How, what a mm-hmm. huge deal that was. <laughs> your first mount at and, 40? Yeah, right. I got my first mount at like level 56 or something. That's when I could yeah. afford it. And it was, yeah, it was like <laughs> saving up the gold. It was yeah. such a deal. Yeah. Oh. It was, it was kind of like that. Like if you're hunter or you're shaman, they started in leather too. Like hunters and shamans started in leather. And it felt yeah. like when you well, that, got, that's got your I'm male. Have there that transition? Like what, what purpose did that transition serve? I, I really exactly. think it was flavor. I think it was mostly for flavor. Just like character progression. You get this new thing, you feel more powerful, and, you know, it kind of, it makes you special. You've got something new and exciting, and it's it's kind of like opening up another skill tier or something. It's just, it feels weird it feels, to me. It, it seems weird in hindsight, but I think it was just, you know, another well, expression. I mean, expression. Yeah, I didn't really think about it at the time, because I always played, like, a leather, car- I played a druid, and then mm. I played a priest, so cloth. And then I played my rogue, which was leather. So, I mean, I didn't play a class that had that transition. So I never played through it. Plus, so I mean, maybe there fact, was a special feeling about it. or so. I, as, as a leather wearing class, it didn't matter. <laughs> I mean, when you hit level 40, you could get your mount. That was, that was the special thing that happened at 40. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, yeah. Back in like vanilla, at least, it was weird because paladins and shamans to a degree too, often would wear like 
leather or cloth because that was the gear with the good healing stats. Yeah. It had intellect on it. <laughs> yeah. It had intellect. It had spirit. It had good, like, MP5. You didn't get a lot of really good healing plate. Like, a lot of the Paladin plate was mixed. Like, it had intelligence on it, but it would have, like, crit, and it wasn't really designed to heal in. And so a lot of Paladins, we had healing Paladins who... Uh, if, they, if you didn't tell, you didn't see the shield and, and weapon, you'd think they were priests because they were mm. all wearing the same exact green dress from AQ. Yeah, <laughs> every everybody was wearing that green dress. The one that they stole every- from the priests, and we were really <laughs> mad about it. Yeah, <laughs> priests were mad about that about paladin stealing it, about shaman stealing it, about druid stealing it because everybody was stealing it because it was just you know cloth gear had the healing stats. I, I really feel like itemization back then was a real mixed bag. Like, they didn't really know what the they wanted whale. to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of the whale. That what was, was that like... boss? <laughs> it was that boss in Karazhan that dropped random bracers. Uh, the, the insect, the reptile boss? or No, it was a spider or a, or a dog. It was the one in the basement. Yeah, the basement. And it was boss. like a random, each week it kind of like, you had to go into the basement to clear it to find out which one you were going to get. Yeah. But yeah. I remember one week. Like I, I actually think it was like a four week period where every week we would go down there because it was practically a free epic. Every week it was whale. And yep. Every week it was like racers of the whale, and the whole raid was just like, "You've got to be kidding me! This is good for yeah. nobody." <laughs> yeah, no one wanted it. Sometimes a warlock would want it if they had a, like a particularly life tappy like style. Like if they were gonna life tap a lot, they might want it. But even they were like, "No, I'll take it if nobody wants." Oh, it's male. Never mind. I don't. Have to- <laughs> Male of the whale. Nobody wants this. So, yeah. Um, in terms of why they did that, that's my best guess is they wanted to give people a feeling of progression. And it made sense to a degree that warriors and paladins would start in male and then graduate up as they got better. Like I didn't. My first warrior didn't have full plate until level 49. Because you got, you got drops in dungeons, but out in the world, like you end up keeping your, your... Like I had the green iron set and I kept that forever. Because it had good stats and just were like, it wasn't, there was nothing to make you want to switch. They didn't have the armor specialization back then that they put in to keep people from wearing like cloth dresses when they were like a paladin. They didn't have any of that stuff. Oh, they didn't have like the warriors stealing, um, warriors used to steal leather gear all the time. Yep. Agility. Agility gear all the time. First off, it gave us crit, which we loved. We loved crit, so we wanted it for that. It had overall, agility gear used to have like four stats, like it would have agility stamina and then two green stats added whereas warrior gear tended to have strength stamina and then a stat mm. just, or it would have three stats like it would be strength agility stamina which still freaks people out when they see it like why is this plate strength agility stamina gear like oh yeah back then we like we saw now that on the leveling stream last week we saw yeah. agility plate and i was like what is this madness <laughs> used to actually be a big deal like there was like uh the helm of endless rage yeah drop with strength agility stamina everybody loved that everyone wanted those so yeah, like of the whale or warriors would always wear that hat off Ragnaros, the male <laughs> hat that he dropped. Warriors loved that thing. It was just like when we were in um, Black Temple and warriors loved the blindfold off of Illidari Council. Uh, for, people wondering, absolutely- for people wondering why of the whale is so bad, it had stamina and spirit on it. Yes. Like, that was, that, was, that it. was it. It was stamina and spirit. And that's like the dumbest combination of two maybe things. maybe if you're a healer who's dying a lot you might want this maybe in in vanilla spirit was i mean did spirit even do anything it was yeah, it, it did wasn't, it wasn't as good as mp5 but it was an mp5 stat yeah but i mean 
you it, would prefer MP5 back. Then. Yeah, and, and MP5 <laughs> wasn't even a thing until like later. But at the later same time, vanilla, I remember, was it? I remember in vanilla playing my priest. Uh, I had a high spirit staff that I had enchanted with spirit, and you could switch your you would switch weapons in combat, and you would and regen. Ran, yeah, yeah. And ran low on mana, you'd switch your spirit weapon, and you. Yeah wait for regen because that was basically your only hope see i but was always all about that... like making my getting enough intellect that my mana pool would just never run out uh well <laughs> yeah but that didn't really ever seem to happen oh i made it happen <laughs> <laughs> that's the yeah, that in- enchant was actually huge i was i was an enchanter in vanilla and i had the, all the furball enchants because they oh uh, nice yeah so everybody was like you know who's who's got this enchant and everybody like oh he does and i'd be like what what do you want and they would come like, can you just enchant for me? Like, yeah, I guess. Technically, I didn't buy that one because it's not a warrior thing. Hold on. I'd go <laughs> buy it and come back. I'm like, all right, what did you want me to do? Oh, yeah, sure. Give me these and that. So I ended up like having all this. Like, the, There was these two agility enchants that were hugely popular. Yeah. Because every hunter had two bone slicing going yep. into Molten Core. Every hunter had them. They were the Strathone Drops. Every hunter had them, and they had both of them enchanted with, with dual agility. And then they would get the staff from the hunter quest because the hunter quest originally came with a bow that turned into a staff yep. but then they were like this doesn't work so they separated them and gave you a bow and a staff <laughs> so every hunter wore that staff on their back and this, every hunter wanted the 25 agility enchant the staff so, was it was it was literally it was a stat stick yep like that's all it was it was a stick that had it being flowers and stats, stats. yep <laughs> rocked a lot so, Every hunter had it, and so I ended up doing a brisk business of doing those enchants. A lot of this stuff, I mean, you, the the bones of it is still present while even today. Like, the fact that there's plate gear that has got agility on it. The fact that there's, like, male gear that you look at and go, what? Who is this for? There's a shatter-resistant shield that still exists, even though shatter-resistance itself isn't a thing. People used to think for years that was proof that Death Knights would come into the game. <laughs> Because it's a shield with shadow resist. Obviously, it's meant for Death Knights. Death Knights, when they came in, could. Yep. It was just weird stuff that happened. Yeah. Um. I guess we should move on because we've been going on for a while. <laughs> uh. Next email is from Zach Zahn. Pronunciation: Zach is in Zachary, and Zahn is in Timothy Zahn. Okay. That's fair. I, I like to air to the Empire. Uh. Greetings, Watchers. I've been somewhat considering running a tabletop role-playing game using World of Warcraft as the world, uh, running the players through the game. However, I wouldn't want it to be a complete railroad with players unable to really influence the big events. So my question to you is, what are some minor changes to events that would have effects on the world but not change the main plot line? Do you think would be interesting? Uh, Such as, what if Kael'thas had been redeemed or at or before the Sunwell and had gone on to lead the Blood Elves going into Wrath of the Lich King. Uh, love to hear your input. Thanks for being so entertaining. Zach's on. I gotta say, that's not a minor change, man. Yeah, that's kind <laughs> of a major... That's a big one. That that affects a lot, especially later down the road. Uh, Liz, do you even care? Uh, I, I don't... I will enjoy y'all talking about it. I don't know enough about yeah. the lore to comment, I really. I didn't want to try and force you into it, but if you had yeah. some... You know, Carry but. on. Uh, I'm going to let Ann go first because, quite frankly, I'm curious to see what Ann says. Minor changes that would have effects on the world but not change the main plot lines. Keep in mind what his view of minor is. But... <laughs> uh, Fandral Staghelm survives. Ooh. Yeah. If for no other reason, we get to actually like hear from me. Yeah, because he's got potential for being like a really, really big villain, and he was kind of cut short in Firelands, and it felt it always felt to me like there was more to that story there, and it just mm. got cut short. Well, yeah. 
take that story. I mean, just say that he survived and run with it from there. It's, I think any of the minor villains, like the sec, not the big bad final boss of the dungeon or raid or whatever, but any of those minor bosses, if they survive, that would be a minor enough change, but it would also give you a much wider palette of enemies and, and big campaign closer super guys to like stick in there without going too far off the rails, I think. Yeah, if we're going with that one, my, my vote would be Marshall Windsor doesn't die. Yeah, that'd be mm-hmm. good. And for that matter, that that's how that, that quest doesn't necessarily involve uh, Varian in any way, but, you know, that's, yeah. your mileage may vary. Or I've always like, liked Mark Windsor. The return of Varian Wren would actually be kind of an interesting campaign to run because the, the whole of that storyline, it wasn't contained in the video game itself. It was contained in the comics. Yeah. So... I would say you could probably do your own campaign surrounding those events since it never really happened in game. He just showed up again. You and know, you could very you easily rewrite you could it. Out, yeah, you could slot out his, you know, the Verisa and Brawl. You could have them replaced by player characters pretty easily, and it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't change much. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool and, actually. But, but but leave Windsor alive. Actually, I'd love it if Bolvar didn't die. Period. Uh, ah, that'd that be a major change, though. That would be a major change. Yeah, but it would be about as major as what if Kael'thas hadn't been redeemed. Yeah. So, <laughs> if that's your idea of not particularly major, then for that matter, what you know, for all that it would be a major change, and Bolvar as the Lich King is definitely something that we could think about. Um, what if you know like what gets me over over again too is this, there's like uh, King Cataclysm. This one really bothers me. It still bothers me, and we've never heard or seen anything about what's going to happen with it. Neptal. No, Neptalon. Oh, Neptalon. I have a feeling we're going to see something in Legion about that. I would like got to. to. We've got to. They'll probably resolve it in there somewhere. I mean, we're dealing with Naga. They do make an appearance. We're dealing with ancient night elves. They make an appearance. We're dealing with Ashara. She's at least referenced to fairly heavily. So you would assume that somewhere in there, maybe we'd be hearing about that whole Neptalon thing. It would be good to find out more about that. I think your, your point about Magatha is good because Magatha, you don't even have to change anything. You just have her sh- just show up. She could be the vil- arch villain of an entire campaign and it wouldn't change anything in World of Warcraft. But For Magatha that matter, def- you could take any of the um, side storylines in that were like introduced in Cataclysm and carry those out like the stuff with Magatha. You know how it ended out in Thousand Needles and it just sort of ended and she got away? Continue that. Like, come up with a campaign that kind of continues that. It's not necessarily canon. It's kind of side canon because they haven't done anything with her yet anyway. So it doesn't really matter whether it's canon or not. It's just a matter of, is it fun to play? And yeah, something like that would be fun to play. Or um, do a campaign where you have to go save Kultira. Like, yeah. you got to infiltrate the Undercity and get him out. That'd be pretty cool. Especially since he pops up again in the game later. And doesn't and... want to talk about it. Like, doesn't say yeah. anything about it. Nothing. Nothing. He's just like... That never happened? I mean, I don't know. Or for that matter, um, one of the ones that gets me, because I, I, we didn't get to do it in our leveling stream because people were tired of the Feral Loss, and I understand why, but I'm a big Green Dragons, Dragons of Nightmare fan. Yes! And I actually went on my character after you guys totally left me in the lurch. I went back <laughs> and did that quest anyway. And um, I always, I've always liked the, the what happens. What happens after that? What happens after the you know, Dragons of Nightmare are basically pared down to one who's like exiles herself from Green Dragon Society? What does she do with herself? What, yeah. what life does she lead after she's decided I'm not a Green Dragon anymore? What if instead, what if she doesn't pull it off? What if she doesn't successfully kill him, and now he has he becomes a bigger threat, and you have to do it? the the nice thing about 
doing campaigns within World of Warcraft or using the World of Warcraft kind of canvas, as it were, is that there are so many loose ends all over the place that you can just pick one. And maybe maybe the folks over at Blizzard they'll resolve that eventually somewhere down the road. But for now, it's it's a it's a loose end. Why not make a campaign around it? That'd be kind of fun, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing with like bosses. I, I think you're pretty safe to as like I said, as long as it's not you know the major final boss of that particular raid. If it's one of those minor bosses or those side bosses, some of those side bosses are actually really fascinating, like Fandral or like. Oh gosh, I don't know. There's a bunch you of know them. Who I've, you know who I've always been like really curious about and I've wanted to see more about? Blackheart the Insider. Yes. Because it's a, an ogre mage with a unique power set and like lots of people referencing him and he's got a good deal of like in like WoW and Warcraft lore behind him, but he doesn't like he's not a huge deal. So if you had like an entire campaign of Blackheart the Insider in the Shadow Council doing evil stuff it wouldn't affect anything. It wouldn't change the outcome of anything. No. And yet he's fascinating. He's like, he's crazy for an ogre mage. He makes, he makes like the big ones that we know about. Like, uh, Oh, what's the name of the one that end boss of Bastion of Twilight? I can't believe I can't remember his name. Uh, he's Chogal. A, Chogal. Yeah. He makes Chogal <laughs> look sane. Imagine and that's an ogre hard mage. to do. Yeah. Chogal likes to talk to, you know, himself his other self and any ancient old gods who might be listening at the same time. And Blackheart's crazier because Blackheart actually doesn't have the second personality. Hmm. So he's just focused and he's focused on messing with you. He loves messing around with people's minds. He loves making them run around and attack each other. It's fun for him. So he's one of my favorite characters that you could do a lot with and yet isn't going to change anything. Yeah. Blackheart the Insider is never going to be the guy who ends the world. Nope. Uh, at this point, uh, Anne, if you would. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcasts, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Rossi. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And as always the case, please, you know, consider sending us the emails and supporting the site because that's how we do everything. Thank you very much. Have a good night.